Welcome back to another episode of Reading for a Change, a podcast from Moody Publishers, where we take an inside look at the books transforming our lives and shaping the world. I'm your host, Drew Dick, and I want to just jump right in today because I am super excited about our guest, excited to introduce him to you. Most of you already know who he is, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce him anyway. Max Lucado is a pastor and best-selling author of more than 40 books, including No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, When God Whispers Your Name, You'll Get Through This, which is very timely right now, uh, and uh, his recent book, um, How Happiness Happens, Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Comparison, Disappointment, and Unmet Expectations. Max, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a it's a real treat. I'm honored and uh, really appreciate your steady voice during these unsteady times. Thank you. Likewise, um, you know, part of what I've been doing uh, during this pandemic, just to fend off the boredom and uh, keep myself my spirits up, is having conversations with some of my favorite authors. I just made a list, and you were at the top of it. Um, I got to tell you, uh, when I was 18 years old. <clears throat> I was nearly illiterate, hadn't read a full book in my life, somehow made it through high school without doing that. Um, And I picked up a book that was lying around my parents' house. Uh, No wonder they call him the savior. And um, was just blown away by it. Proceeded to read The Applause of Heaven, I think, next and other books of yours. And it just sparked a love of God, uh, a love of the written word that continues to this day. So I've just got to start by saying thank you getting the fanboy stuff out of the way right off the bat, you've made a huge impact on my life. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I really am. You, you're going way back there. Those books, <laughs> uh, those books were written in the, I want to say mid 1980s when they, when they yes. came out. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're, you're really reaching back. Oh man. Well, they hold up well because I've looked at them since and they're just beautiful, beautiful, timeless books. So I really appreciate them. Hey, Max, my first question for you, uh, and I've been asking everyone this, this season, just because of the, the moment that we're in right now with this global pandemic, how are you holding up? What does your life look like day to day right now? Uh, I'm really doing well. Thank you. Uh, the uh, surprise to me is how busy I've been, uh, sure. but that's all self-imposed. I've, I've taken on a task of recording daily messages to post on the internet. Uh, and it also just happened that this is a season in which I had a, a, a book due. I just completed it uh, three or three or four days ago. When I say complete, I mean really complete. We finished the edits and everything. So uh, it, in some ways, uh, that's if you're going to have a isolation, you know, you might as well be writing a book because I would have been isolated <laughs> anyway. So sure. in it, it, I've been surprised how how busy I've been. Uh, I've been really intrigued with the openness that people have and the need that people have uh, for for spiritual truths and teaching. Um, it's uh, I've got a I've got a memory that that is I think a unique and interesting memory. Right after nine eleven, uh, Drew the the. Uh, the number of people wanting to interview pastors was, was pretty abundant. I mean, they, I could k- barely keep up and golly, that's been all those years ago. But uh, one of the, one of the fellas, he called me from a talk show, uh, a secular station 
And he said, I want to point something out to you. He said, nobody's calling an atheist right now. Mm. And I'll never forget that. I, I didn't make that point. He did. I do yeah. believe in times of uh, collapse, calamity, crisis, uh, people turn to faith. They do, even if they haven't, or especially if they haven't, uh, for the prior four or five years, uh, people are turning to faith right now. And, and, and may God bless them. May he receive them. May he strengthen them. And may they find a, a lasting joy during this time. Amen. It's so true. You're absolutely correct. Um, I remember you wrote this beautiful article after 9-11 that really resonated with a lot of folks. And of course, after 9-11, all these people were rushing into churches. Um, I know uh, even with this crisis, there's been a spike in Google searches for how to pray. Mm. Uh, And so I guess if there's a silver lining uh, to this crisis, it is that it is awakening a spiritual thirst. And even when it comes in a crisis, that's legitimate. That's okay. That's, that's, that's just good. how we're built, right? We turn it to is. God when we're in trouble. We don't need to feel hypocritical or insincere. I mean, it was just a wake-up call. That's what it is. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. What do you sense God doing right now? Do you, do you sense anything in, in, in particular? Or do you have any clarity on that question? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Well, I mean, I think it's like on two sides of it, right? Like we've been talking about, it's a wake-up call for a lot of people that were maybe spiritually apathetic uh, because suddenly they, they're they faced with their mortality. They're thinking about their need for God. And then for those of us who are believers, I think it's a wake-up call too because sometimes we can put our trust in, oh, I don't know, our own success and the way life has been going. And all of a sudden that's disrupted and that drives us back to God as well. One of the things I love about you, Max, is that you're not an ivory tower dude. You are you know, uh, your whole adult life, really, you have been in the trenches of ministry, first as a missionary um, and as a preacher pastor. I'm wondering, um, and I'm guessing it does inform your writing, but how does that experience of interacting with people, ministering to people who are hurting especially, then uh, help you when you sit down to write? It's huge. It's huge. Uh, I I feel like... um, if I were to only write, which would for me mean going into an office and just sitting there and thinking, uh, I don't think my thoughts would uh, uh, accurately reflect the lives, the challenges that many people face. A, a perfect example is, is right now in this pandemic. Uh, I mentioned to you that I post a daily uh, message of encouragement, and I invite people to post their prayer needs. And uh, uh, as I read over those prayer needs, I realize that people's lives are in shambles right now. They're in shambles. And, and, and to be quite honest, my life is okay. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't lose a job. I don't have anybody I know or, 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 or a good friend or family member in the hospital. I don't know why. I just don't. I'm just, that's the way it is. And so in some ways, I feel a bit insulated by all this. And yet when I read over those prayer needs, oh, my goodness, hundreds and hundreds of people saying, you know, I don't think I can sleep tonight. I don't I'm, I'm so desperate. I don't even know for what to pray. As I read over that, I realize, OK, man, it's rough. It's rough. And so it, it, that that's part of pastoral life. You know, it's easy even as a pastor to get yourself a bit insulated. I've been at this church since 1988, 
Uh, we've had good years. We've had lean years. Uh, we've had wonderful moments of breakthrough. We've had times in which we squabbled like little children. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been good, you know, uh, it's, it, we're not superhumans in our church. just like no church. Uh, I, I think I love our church. I love our church, but I wouldn't say we're a superstar church. We, we just kind of regular folk and they put up with me all these years and, and it's, it's, it's been good. I'm actually semi-retired. I still preach, uh, about 20 weekends a year. But we've turned the leadership of the church over to a very capable younger fellow with a lot of energy. And I'm not on uh, any leadership teams right now. And I think that's I'm I'm enjoying the break. And and so I still love to preach, but I'm not in charge of anybody, not in charge of anything. And that's right. You know, I'm 65 years old. It's just the right course of events that I uh, step back and turn the reins over to somebody who's a little younger with more energy and more vision. Well, may we all have such an active semi-retirement as you. (laughs) Doesn't sound like you slowed down that much. Um, Our theme for this season that we're in with the podcast is press on. And you probably recognize that language from the Apostle Paul. Uh, I just think it's appropriate during the time that we're in. Um, And one of your books seems tailor-made for this moment. And that is, you'll get through this. I love that. Uh, Just that assurance. Um, can you always tell people that are scared, that are insecure, that are hurting with confidence that they will get through their hard time? Yes, we, we do so with caveats. You know, in the book, I talk about, uh, you know, many conversations I've had with people. And I'll say that you'll get through this. It won't be quick. It may not be painless, but God's going to use this mess for something good. In the meantime, don't despair. Uh and, and don't do anything stupid. You know, in times of anxiety, we tend to make bad choices. Uh, but believe that our good God will take this challenge, this mess, and use it for something good. And the reason that I feel like I, it's it's matches the test of integrity to say you'll get through this is because God does. The Bible is all about God getting people through tough times. Uh, every story in the Bible uh, from the flood. Uh, from the children of Israel in ancient Egyptian captivity to even Jesus on the cross or the disciples in the storm. God is all about getting us through things. He doesn't spare us difficulties, but he does meet us in the midst of those difficulties and, and walk us through them. It would be dishonest of me for me to tell somebody, you're never going to get sick. You're never going to have struggles. Mm-hmm. You're never going to have challenges. That would be utterly dishonest. But I feel that it's completely in line with Scripture to say, yeah, you'll have tough times. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have difficulty. But be of good cheer. In other words, have hope because I've overcome the world. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the final word on difficulty, isn't it? Well, it um, is. And, and the perfect picture, of course, is the cross of Christ. What could be more difficult than humanity choosing to crucify the Savior? And yet uh, God took that horrible darkness of the Friday crucifixion and turned it into the greatest moment in his human history. And that is the empty grave, the resurrected Christ. And, and I know when I was 20 years old, that's what convinced me to become a follower of Christ. Because somebody asked me, you know, well, where's the body? Where's the body? Don't you know that his enemies would have 
would have taken, would have uh, produced the body if they had it. But the tomb was empty. And you know what? That changed me. That one moment of truth, that, that was a clarity that went off in my life. So the terrible crucifixion of Friday became the glorious resurrection of Sunday. And uh, God can do that. You can bet your sweet September, he can do it with this pandemic. Awesome. Amen. I love that. Um, You talk about how in times of crisis, we should be more like a sponge and less like a rock. Can you explain that? Yeah. You know, our hearts can get hard. They can. Uh, Hard from the challenges, from the anxiety. Uh, Worry hardens us. It turns Mm. us into people who are we're afraid to feel things because every time we feel something, it's fearful. So we tend to harden up, harden up. And uh, I, I urge people to stay soft toward things of God. In other words, believe that, that God loves you. There are many people who believe there is a God, but it hasn't dawned on them yet that this God has affections. He has emotions. And, and one of the dominant emotions is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So if you can soften yourself up and receive that like a sponge, you're intended to have a heart that's more like a sponge than a a rock. Uh, A a sponge receives that nourishment, receives that downpour of God's goodness. And you need to know that, that God loves you. You need to know that the Lord Jesus wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. He wants to walk with you. You need to know that the Holy Spirit the power on the universe today, the executor of God's will on earth today, the Holy Spirit is here right now. And he wants to be your companion during this time. And you can talk to the Holy Spirit about everything and anything. And the blessed spirit will give you strength. Now, if your heart gets hard, you resist those kind of words. You say, well, Hmm. either I don't qualify or I don't believe it. And you just push it back. And you do so to your own detriment. Uh, please, please don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. The scripture urges us, don't let your heart be hard on the day of redemption. This is a day of redemption right now. God is redeeming this moment. He's redeeming his people. And so keep your heart soft toward things of God. That's beautiful. Yes, be a sponge, not a rock. Um, you write uh, very insightfully about how we sometimes try to craft a contractual agreement with God during hard times. Uh, you do a little bargaining. Can you unpack that a little bit? We've all done this. If God is God, then, and we fill in the blank, uh, God, I will believe in you if, and then we fill in the blank. Or maybe we fill in the blank with phrases like, you give me a great spouse, or you always give me good health, or you allow me to have a job promotion, or you protect me during this pandemic. And, and uh, those are all legitimate requests. But we are never called to be in a position where we negotiate with God. <laughs> he, he displayed his case in the form of, of his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only picture of God we've ever seen. And so uh, Jesus, we, beyond, beyond him, we don't have any guarantee. And so to have a faith that says, God, I'll believe in you if certain circumstances will change. That's not the way God operates. It's not. And you'll be setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh, God has said, I'll be with you in spite of your circumstances, not because of your circumstances. I've already proven my, my existence. I've given you everything that you need for faith. And so if you, 
let your faith be contingent upon a certain event or circumstance, then it's not going to work. It's just simply not going to work. Uh, and it's not going to be a healthy faith. You know, I don't do that with my wife. It wouldn't be right for me to say, <laughs> Dinalyn, I will, I will love you today if you wash the dishes or if you iron my shirts. That would be cruel. I mean, that'd be, that'd be a, the picture of uh, arrogance. And so how dare we do it with God, you know? And, and, and so uh, what I'm trying to do in that teaching is walk people away from that kind of faith that sets us up for disappointment. Because God has not said he will do those things. And there are many people who say, I don't believe in God. And then I ask them why. And I find out, oh, oh, I see. Because God didn't do what you asked him to do. And and my response would be, well, I don't believe in that God either. You know, because God <laughs> is not guaranteed. He will hear every prayer. He will hear. And he will, he will abundantly bless us. But to t- say specifically, God must do what we tell him to do then we become bigger than God. And, and that's just, that's not faith. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's such a great point about how if you did that in another relationship, say with your spouse, <laughs> it just, it sounds silly. Of course, people do that sometimes and it always ends poorly. And of course, we don't want to do that with God, certainly. Max, my last question for you when it comes to this hard moment that we're in, it's just simply this, what would you tell a person who says right now, like you, you mentioned, you, you, you get these, these, um, questions and these, these prayer requests, basically that people are saying, I can't make it another day. What do you say to that person who's in that desperate place? Because they have been impacted. Maybe they're sick. A loved one is sick. Uh, they're uncertain about the future. They just lost their job. What do you say to someone in that desperate situation? Well, uh, uh, first I I would say, I'm so sorry. I'm so very, very sorry. I really am. Uh, this is just overwhelming. And uh, I would say, number two, why don't, you, why don't you ask God to give you enough strength for just the next 60 minutes, hmm. just, for the ne- just for the immediate future? Uh, don't think that he's going to give you everything you need for the rest of your life. God has promised to meet our needs when the need surfaces. And so just say, Lord, help me, please, just for the next hour. And then in 60 minutes, ask him again, and then ask him again. And, and I think you'll find that, that, uh, that hour by hour, even minute by minute, dependence upon Christ is, is the way we are called to live with him. Uh, you know, the phrase walk by faith, is a, it has survived as a beautiful phrase for a reason. We walk by faith. We, we, we don't take a, you know, a Learjet of faith. We walk <laughs> one step at a time. And, and so I would urge people who are really feeling the weight of anxiety and fear, say just, you know, the Lord Jesus said uh, I, I, that he would give us what we need when we need it. I think back to the to the Israelites as they wandered through the wilderness. They were given enough manna for the day, just that day. And if they gathered more than one day, it would ruin. And so God's plan has always been to meet us, to give us today's uh, provisions today. And, and, and that's what he'll do. He will. He will. And, and I would urge people, just try that. Try that. And, and I think you'll be surprised the strength that that, that, that gives you. I love that. I love it because it's not, hey, try to figure out the next year or 10 years, just the next hour and know that God is with you in that. 
Uh, well, Max, part of what we do in this podcast, you know, it, it's about books that we love. It's also about authors. So we kind of like to give people a, a peek into the writing life, sometimes the writing process of our favorite authors. Uh, today, obviously, you're one of the best-selling Christian authors, or, or Christian or otherwise, actually, in America. But I understand it wasn't always the case. Uh, you you weren't uh, the kind of person that publishers hunted down for a book um, early on in your career. Can you tell our listeners about your early experience uh, as an, a relatively unknown guy trying to get published? Yeah, yeah. Well, we mentioned earlier that the books you re- referenced uh, came out in the mid-1980s. Uh, during those days, I was living in South America. My wife and I were uh, helping to start a church in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We were there from 1983 to almost the end of 1988, so almost five years. Uh, we, we moved home right before Christmas of 1987. Uh, and while I was in Brazil, I decided I'd like to try my hand at writing. I had been writing short articles for a church bulletin in Miami, Florida. So I took all of those short articles, compiled them in a manuscript, and uh, mailed that manuscript out to publishers. I, 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 was, I finally got an acceptance on the 15th attempt. So I got 14, 14 rejections, 14 rejections. Uh, I, when I share that story, people say, were you discouraged? And, and really, I was not because I didn't have any expectations. I, I, need, I had no idea that I could write. Uh, I just thought I'd give it a go. And I've always liked writing and I've always liked reading, but I've never considered myself to be an excellent writer. It takes a lot of work on my part. But I thought I'd give it a go. And so 14 rejections. I'm glad number 15, uh, Tyndale House in Wheaton, Illinois. I'm glad Tyndale House said yes, because I didn't have any more addresses. I was down to my <laughs> last publisher. And so uh, uh, it's a good thing they said yes. That's great. And those 14 other publishers have got to be kicking themselves to this day. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, I could be a pain to work with. They may, have, they may be glad to have avoided me. I doubt that. Do you think today, if you were starting today as a relatively unknown missionary slash pastor, it would be easier or harder to get published? That is an outstanding question. And I'm really not uh, waffling on the answer when I say, well, there's pros and cons. It, it, it is harder than ever to get published by a major publishing house uh, because they're just not looking for new authors. They need to be. They've got to be cultivating the next generation. And they know it. They know they do. Uh, but most of them have a, a pretty reliable stable of authors. And they, they choose to develop a brand around an author as opposed to create uh, and cultivate a new author. That's just kind of the way it is. Uh, And so that makes, there's the challenge. But here's the advantage of the day we live in. A person can self-publish. And and self-publishing is is a wonderful, wonderful tool. It's a wonderful way to to get your foot in the water and to see if this is a ministry that that you want to pursue, that you feel God is pursuing pursuing in your heart. Now, it, it comes with some uh, uh, caveats. you got to get get yourself a good editor. There's, you know, if you just 
self-publish and pay somebody to publish your book, it may come out pretty cruddy and you need to get a good editor to help you before you, before you do that. And then number two, it's not easy to market yourself. You know, it's, it's not easy, but it is possible. It is possible. So I guess I think I, I don't think I answered your question. It's, it's a unique time. If you cannot get published by a major publishing house, that's okay. Take a shot at self-publishing, see where it takes you and don't give up. If, if it's, if it's God's place, I believe every person has a book in them. I really do. I believe some of us are called to write books and, and, and yet everybody has at least one book in them. And so I would encourage you to write that book. If for no one else, at least your own kids and grandkids, you know, right. uh, yeah. but, but uh, give it a go and see what happens. No, I think that was a good answer. And, and I'd agree with you. Sometimes the, the barriers are a little higher maybe today to get published, but you're right. The advantage of the time that we live in is you can go directly to readers. Uh, if it's, even if it's not in a book form, you can blog, you can get on social media, you can write posts on Facebook. And so that's a unique blessing of our time for people who want, who have a desire to spread a message through the medium of the written word. Um, last thing that we're, we're doing in this season, just because it can get really heavy during this time um, with all the fear and uncertainty, uh, I'm asking authors about their guilty pleasure. And it can be anything really, but something that they're doing, it could be watching something they're watching, something they're eating, an activity, a diversion, something that has helped you get through this challenging time. Well, does it have to be something that's helping me get through it or just something that I'm indulging in? <laughs> it can just be something you're indulging. <laughs> uh, my wife and I always have a glass of wine at dinner. And uh -huh. then uh, I've noticed of late, I'll have another one after dinner. <laughs> and then maybe another one. I need to watch that. I need to watch that. We just lost all the Baptist listeners, Max. I, I, I may I may get kicked out of the church for that, but maybe <laughs> you can pray for me. That's okay. I said guilty pleasure, and you nailed it. <laughs> it is. It is. That's great. Well, thank you uh, so much for coming on the podcast, Max. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we, we uh, sign off? No, just thanks for being a stable and steady voice in these unsteady times. Well, right back at you. Uh, someone I was uh, corresponding with recently said that Max Lucada was made for moments like this, mm. when people are in crisis, when they need comfort, when they need uh, reassurance of God's goodness and presence. So listeners, I want to encourage you, if you are one of the very few people who haven't read a Max Lucado book, uh, to do so, to check out his books. Uh, you'll Get Through This is a great place to start just because it's so timely. I think we all need that, that assurance and encouragement right now, whether we're fearful about getting sick or a loved one getting sick or losing our job or just unsure of what the future holds. Um, whatever it is, we need that assurance from our Heavenly Father that we will indeed get through this. And Max's book is a great reminder of that. Uh, and I want to thank you to the listeners for joining us again. Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, uh, please leave us a review on Apple or Google Podcasts. Uh, I check those uh, far too frequently. I read them over and over. I frame the ones I like. Uh, <laughs> I keep waiting for my mom to write one, but so far nothing. So don't be like my mom leave a review. Uh, it really does help people discover the podcast. Um, and thank you again for joining us. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, uh, stay faithful. And until next time, keep reading.